0: Locked talk radio why do I find it so hard when I'm knowing my heart I'm letting you down every day letting you down every day why do I keep on running away
1: What's up, everybody? It's IBS Yeezus, coming at you guys with Episode 3 of Talk to Talk. I'm here with my co-host, Corey. You on the line, Corey? Yes, sir. All right, I think we got all the technical difficulties out the way. Uh, I take back everything I said about Mozilla last week. Mozilla is working this week. We good to go. Uh, Corey, how you doing today?
0: Good, man. You know what
1: time it is. All right, let's go ahead and roll into it. Um, We'll recap the national championship I know we're a couple weeks behind but we missed a couple episodes Um, We'll just start with the question That's been on my mind for the last couple weeks Does Nick Saban legacy Become greater with that Comeback win?
0: I mean legacy is a broad Term right so you have to like Think of it about the masses so yes um, I think it does I think if um, they just Dominate them I'm not sure that Anyone, like, thinks about it? Like, do we think about the 2000, I think it was 14 championship where they just dominate all the way through? Um, I think this gave him a different element, show that he wasn't so rigid, that when push came to shove, he was willing to do what. And granted, I think we all said he should have made this decision, um, but I'm not sure that many co- coaches would have. Um, I don't think if the reverse was happening next year and Georgia was in the national championship game, and he has Justin Fields sitting on the bench, and he had just had a quarterback that took him in the national title game this year, and he wins. I don't, I don't think Kirby's doing. I just don't think he's doing that. I don't think Kirby's doing that next year if the exact same situation happened. He has Justin Fields sitting there. So um, you got to give him credit for things that seems like Urban Meyer hasn't been willing to do, and many other coaches haven't as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I fully did not expect it. I thought he should have made the switch. Um, but I was watching the coaches' corner, and even the guys in the coach's corner were saying the same thing. They were like, you know, if it wasn't the national championship, I would look into giving this offense a jolt and putting in the backup. Um, but as they said, um, I, think, I think Northwestern's coach said it uh, at the end of the game. He's like, that's why – Alabama's playing in this game, and we're sitting here because a lot of people would have went with conventional wisdom and conventional wisdom said you don't put a freshman in in the national championship when you're down two scores at the half to to make a comeback you you stick with your for guy. His first
0: meaningful snap,
1: yeah, for his first meaningful snaps, but I mean, I think that speaks volumes to uh to save his confidence in his in his uh backup. I don't know if. If maybe he even had that much confidence, or if he was just like, you know what, I ain't got nothing to lose. I mean, we're gonna either go out on our back or go down swinging. So here we go, you know. I don't. But, think, um, I don't.
0: There's no way he had that much confidence, or he would have been starting off jump Because there was rumblings <laughs> that he was starting off jump. Lane said he was transferring if he didn't get in. So yeah.
1: I mean, I, I can't. I can't be mad at him, man. Like it. It, it turned out to be the perfect gamble. And going back to that game, watching it uh watching it play out i I think it was an all time great uh finish um, I'm still trying to figure out what that safety was doing <laughs> on that play, but i mean you, those are the moments that separate uh championship teams is is focus you know like you were at second and twenty or or second and twenty five or something like that um you had to think that they were gonna take a shot, and it was a, it wasn't a complex um route scheme that they ran, God just ran the go route from the outside. Well that's
0: the thing too. You know with a freshman quarterback they're not running anything probably. You know he's looking I mean granted he looked the safety off, but you know it's a one two read type deal.
1: Yeah and I just don't know I I I just don't see how the safety can be looked off uh from from the play side. You know like that you're the only person back there. And there's only one person running at you. So even if there was a post coming over top behind you, that's really not your fault because there's somebody running directly at you. You know? I just don't understand. It
0: it wasn't even cover two, man. It was straight cover two. Like It's impossible for you to get looked off in too hot safety, cover two zone look. Like,
1: no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what was going on on that, but At the end of the day, we got Bama's national champions. Um, Just briefly touch on this. What's next for both programs? I I got Georgia. um, Their recruiting class is number one coming into 2018. Uh, They got, as you mentioned, Justin Fields coming in. He's got a lot of hype behind him. Uh, Bama's recruiting class seems to have dropped off a little. They're ranked number six coming into 2018. But um, what do you see going on? Uh, for Georgia, have they arrived or is this just like one of those things where they had a good run, they got lucky?
0: Uh, no, I don't think they got lucky. I think you can see with the recruiting, um, but they, we do not need to ignore the fact that they're losing like 80% of their offensive production. Um, they've had two of the best backs in the backfield in their school's history leaving. So we can't just ignore that and expect there to be no drop off. Um, but I don't. I I think Justin Fields is the real deal, and and when you get a quarterback like that, like a, I mean, he's like I think he's special, special, like probably one of a Heisman um, type deals. So I don't think you're gonna see them just fall completely off the face of the earth. Um, but does does he get in in time? I don't think he'll. I don't think they'll be able to hold him off. If I'm being honest, um, so I I definitely see very
1: high things for Georgia if not next year, then the year after that. I'm high on Georgia. Um, I, I have another question I gotta ask. It just—it's just, it's just one of those. hot eight... on, before
0: I move on, man. Yeah. Why is everyone acting like
1: From was just lights
0: out in that game? That's how low the expectation was. He missed a lot of throws, and it was—he missed, missed a lot of throws, but
1: but he made a lot of throws too. They kept they kept Bama, at base, especially on
0: third down. He made like two. All game. He, I looked at those stats at the end because I was a little afraid, too. Then I watched the replay, and I'm like, man, this is about expectations. The expectations are just so low, and the other quarterback was so bad that it just made him look. Granted, it's Bama, and he's a pocket passer, so no one was expecting it, but we're still looking at the fact that this dude went, What did he go at the end of the day? He was 16 for 32 for 232 yards, one TD and two I and and we acted like this dude secured his legacy. <laughs>
1: that is true. That is true. I That's guess what happened, man. I'm line. just being real. Yeah, I, I mean, mean when you look at the line, you put it like that, he didn't have necessarily that great of a game. But I don't know if I left, like, fully impressed, like, saying, like, oh, he's the next best NFL prospect. But given the cir- circumstances, I thought he played okay. Um, I think I think in a situation like that, when you're in when you're Georgia – or even Alabama, and, and you got a freshman in a quarterback. You don't want to make him have to win the game for you. You just hope he doesn't lose it for you. And I think when they asked him to make a couple of plays, besides uh, the one, the one interception, I want to say the one interception was his fault. I can't, I can't think if both of them was was his fault or not. But one of them was just. A uh, great I play. Know for
0: a fact the tip, the tip was his fault in my opinion. Like, I mean, maybe not, but. I'm, I'm oh yeah,
1: there was the tip, the tip, and then the other one was the and That was the, the guy really the that was a really bad time.
0: That was the momentum changer.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you you live and learn with that. I, like you said, he didn't have a great game statistically, but I, I think there's there's something to build off of if you're from. Um, and maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe he, if it feels is off. the real deal, if it feels is the real deal. Maybe something to build deal, off on the bench. Yeah, if Phil's is <laughs> the real deal then he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> but uh with these young guys you just gotta take it in stride. Uh things change. Some sometimes guys go into all season, they work on things and they come back better. Sometimes they do. Uh from From still has a decent ceiling, so I don't think we see the best that he could possibly be. I don't I don't wanna say that he's peaked as a as a player, so uh we'll see. Uh but Phil's is definitely Phil's definitely has that uh that attraction. He's a dual threat, and he's, he's athletic and, and just a game, a gamer, you know. So uh, Kirby Smart's got a little something to work with next year. Uh, we might even see him look differently because, like I said, they're losing a lot of weapons on the offensive side. But um, I was going to ask, because we're used to seeing Bama at the top, and we, we always talk Bama, Bama, Bama. But this is kind of the first time that they kind of looked a little vulnerable, um, and then I'm just a little alarmed at the fact that they went from number one recruiting, recruiting class in uh, 2017 to number six in 2018. Is the Crimson Tide appeal wearing off a little, do you think, to to some of these top ten recruits?
0: No, I think what it is is they just had the number one recruiting class for seven straight years, and I think it's more the, um, in my opinion, it's more of a – um, more of a class-specific thing. I think some of the people you're seeing above them, like um, Clemson and UGA, got the number one and like two rainy, ranked um, ranked guys from the class, and they just happen to be quarterbacks. And Alabama just got too low last year, and they don't throw the ball. So why would Fields or Sunshine go there? Um, So having those high prospects is heavily tilting that recruiting glass. And then you you combine that with the fact that a lot of people that Miami have been playing were were young because they've been losing so much to the NFL for nutrition, so you already got young dudes cemented starting. Um, So I think it's more of that than anything. Um, Just when you accumulate that many young players, at some point, people are going to be like, well, I'm not going to play. So I think think it's just more of a people playing thing. I think you'll see them right back one or two next year. But they did there's something to be said if they snapped their their seven straight years in number one recruiting class, but at the same time, I think they are number six. Like it's not like yeah. basketball, it's football. Like a lot of that's development. Sometimes the number one guy's not even that good. Like they are losing out on that freak. I think Bowers is his name for Clemson, the DN and yeah. of course it'd have been nice Justin Fields, um or Sunshine, but I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. It is interesting, though. Now, if it's a trend next year, we might need to talk.
1: Okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see, then. That's switch uh, Switching over to the NFL, though, because I, I don't want to spend too much time on the old topic. Um, we had a lot of coaching changes going on in the NFL, mostly with coordinators, though. Um, the big news coming out of the league this past week was uh, Wilkes, the defensive coordinator for the Panthers, is taking over in Arizona. Uh, The Falcons, for some reason, kept Sarkisian as their offensive coordinator. Bama's offensive coordinator is now Buffalo's offensive coordinator. The Panthers hired North Turner as their offensive coordinator. The Bears got former uh, Oregon Duck head coach Mark Helfrich as their offensive coordinator. The Bengals somehow kept Marvin Lewis. They, uh, Haley leads the Steelers Is now the offensive coordinator Slash coach in waiting for the Browns uh, The Lions fired Caldwell We're rumored to have hired Patricia uh, Colts fired Pagano after giving him a game ball And rumored to have To have hired Josh McDaniels uh, Out of all the things That I just named What, what is the most significant change uh, To you Out of that whole list um, I'm going to
0: just there are really three bad coordinator switches I can't understand why they keep so one why do people keep hiring offensive coordinators from Bama what am I missing
1: like I what about really that understand.
0: offense? you know what that's an excellent offense that's very well designed that's so
1: creative and that's a mind I need I, like I'm, I don't know. I'm I, I feel like Sarkisian should have been a red flag to everybody. I mean, if we be honest, Wayne Kiffin's kind of an offensive of, uh, prodigy. Yeah, everybody knows that, and their offense was he, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, he's special. He's special, and um, I, don't, I think I think he's the anomaly in in that equation. But I don't see any difference in Sarkisian's play calling and and, and this guy in, in regards to when they transition to the NFL. But, I mean, Buffalo's got a lot going on too, which I think is, is a interesting time to bring in an offensive coordinator like that. I think that signals the end of Tyron Taylor because he's definitely not going to be able to play in uh, any kind of offense that resembles anything Bama ran.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they got a defensive guy. They want to run the football, and maybe that's what they're looking for. But this NFL, that issue going to work. And on the other end of the
1: spectrum, Mark Helfrich, what? Now, the idea is that he's going to come up with, with uh, I think, in, in a lot of people's mind, as we see the RPO being used more and more uh, in the league lately, I think they're hoping that he can bring some kind of RPO-style offense in for uh, Trubisky and, uh, and that Bears uh, offense. That's what I think. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure, but... I, I did not think he was that impressive when he took over for Chip Kelly either, you know? Like, it's one of those things where, it's like, if you inherit a set program and they drop off as drastically as Oregon has over the last, like, three to four years, I don't know if that really makes me want to give you a chance at, at coaching, especially a young player. Because if you can't develop the kids in college, how how am I supposed to expect you to develop them at the NFL level? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's just
0: my life. That's strange to me. That's strange.
1: But to um, me. I'm gonna say I'm more interested in the McDaniel's hire, just because I want to see what he can do for Andrew Luck if Andrew Luck gets healthy and comes back out there, um, see what what he what he maybe he's gonna do scheme wise because Andrew Luck's kind of wild with his with his uh, decision making at times and. I don't know. I don't want to take anything from Josh McDaniels, but it can't be too hard coaching Tom Brady. <laughs> so I can only imagine. Uh, I want to see what he's he's going to do when his work's cut out for him. He actually has to uh, train up a guy and and, and groove him. You know. Yeah, exactly. Cause we, no, I agree with that. We'll see that because we give we give a they give a lot of credit to Gates, but he had paid Manning, and I haven't seen him. Like, I didn't really think he did that great of a job with uh, Jay Cutler, but somehow they end up in, in Miami again, and everybody had claimed that he was some offensive guru, quarterback, whisperer, yada, yada, yada. And Cutler still Jay Cutler. He didn't change Brock Osweiler. He didn't do anything uh, for uh, McCown, I don't think. So I don't know. I mean, and that's not the most talented uh, set of quarterbacks to work with, but I'm saying – if you have some sort of player development talent to me, I should be able to see a difference in somebody. I didn't really see a difference in, in anybody's play. I mean, Peyton Manning was old Peyton Manning. Like, big deal. Yeah. And, and it like,
0: exactly. Exactly. And it's not like he actually, like, developed one of the young guys. What happened to Paxton Lynch? He supposed to have all the tools.
1: Yeah. But – I think I think the the league just they're so trendy, they get so excited. RPO is is, is really making its, uh, its its mark on the game, and I think that's really what got guys like Helfrich hired. Was probably getting a lot of these college coaches uh, looks in regards to getting hired. I don't know why anybody would think a Bama coach would be able to bring something like that in, but if you're looking for a run heavy offense, uh, which like we said. Buffalo seems to be headed in that direction. Um, that's probably what they were thinking. Um, any thoughts on the Patricia hire? You think he'll be successful?
0: Uh, I don't know. I feel like Bill runs the defense, so I always get confused by that. But whatever. It's whatever. would be my thoughts? <laughs> as long as they keep Jim Bob, they should be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually saw an article uh, talking down on Jim Bob. I, I meant to post it, but... I got away from I'll look it up. But there's, there's a lot of people who are not happy with Jim Bob uh, in the Detroit fan area, which I'm not understanding why they're mad. But you can't please everybody. Uh, switching over to more current topics, NFL playoffs. So we got out all the old stuff. So now we can talk about some of this new stuff uh, in more fresh uh, terms. Let's see where we start. I. Right. How we got here, we we all know who's who started uh, the playoffs in the one seeds. We had the Patriots and the Eagles. Uh, somehow, both one seeds are right in the thick of things in the Super Bowl. Now I will say, and I'll put this out there in case any of my Philly people listen, I really didn't think they'd be one and done. I really did. I I didn't think they would be able to 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 overcome Wentz getting hurt. Nick Foles really did not impress me in his in his couple starts, especially that uh, last home game. I think I don't even think he did anything, and they got what like nine points or something like that. They just kicked straight field goals, so I didn't think the defense would hold up, especially the secondary. I thought they would wear out um, in the playoffs, and they have done everything completely opposite of that, and they look like a good team. Uh, do the Eagles have a chance on uh, Super Bowl Sunday? Honestly, man, I think they do. Um,
0: I, I, th- I think they have a chance. I think, I think we have to give them a little bit more credit than we've been when given them, and I think we can't keep doing the same thing. I think we saw what a good defense can do to New England, and, and I think Philly defense is pretty darn good. Um, they can rush the passer, so they can get pressure at their front four. Um, am I going to trust Foles in, uh, in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady or – Some of the schemes that worked against an ultra aggressive Vikings defense, um, with Belichick having two weeks to prepare. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, But I think the main thing we got to give credit to is Doug Peterson, and we got to say that a lot of people, including myself, were very yawn about the hire. But I think you got to give him some credit um, and say, hey, that guy knows what he's doing, and he made that team a lot better. A lot of those designs were just wide open people. Um, So you got, I definitely think we we have to give him a lot of credit for what happened.
1: Yeah, I think you know what I think Peterson, as a as an Andy Reid disciple, you could say he's, he's from that coaching tree. I would say he's basically Andy Reid with with a better feel for the game. Like there are times where Andy Reid just over overdoes certain plays, or he overthinks the game. But Peterson seems to understand, like when to switch up the tempo, when to go for the jugular, when to take his shots. Like, it's very calculated offensively, and and I have to give them credit for that because that's what I saw when they played Minnesota, man. Like, that defense is good. Home and away, they're good. And and they're not as good, obviously, on the road as they are at home, which goes for most people. But I have not seen them exposed in that manner all year. Like, nobody's been able to take advantage of their aggression. Uh, Nobody's been able to take advantage of the matchups across the board. And it was just like they couldn't cover anybody, they couldn't stop anybody, and it was like the Eagles started the game off one step ahead and never let up and I think I think uh I mean it, it's hard for me to imagine anybody's going to outcoach Bill, but if you do get a chance, because Bill doesn't have the the talent that we're used to seeing at this Patriots team, but they got injuries uh, with Edelman and Gronk being out that that's significant. And their offensive line isn't as tough as it used to be. Uh, Their defense isn't necessarily as good as it used to be uh, pound for pound. So this Patriots team is very vulnerable in this Super Bowl, I think. And um, I actually don't have a problem with with, uh, picking the the Eagles to win it. I don't think that's crazy talk, you know. I'm not going to say it definitively just yet because I still want to look over some stuff. But I, I like, you know, from a gambling standpoint, I like the points they're giving me. Uh, and I like the Eagles chance to uh to win this game. But uh switching over to to one of the big storylines, uh, going into the Super Bowl. Is Tom Brady gonna be healthy? You think he's gonna be healthy? Yeah, I think he'll be fine with two weeks. I mean we saw some
0: some just amazing throws at the end of that game, so I'm not concerned.
1: All right. Um, Let's see. I don't think the Eagles have too many injury concerns off the top of my head. Uh, Does it concern you that it took the Patriots a half to kind of figure out how to slow down and stop the Jaguars offense?
0: Yes. (laughs) That's a big concern. But I'm not sure Philly's going to be able to run the ball the same way. We've seen them struggle to run a little bit. So, Um, I just don't know what the Patriots would want to take away there, but I I, I was a little concerned by the amount of stuff the Jags were having, but I think some of that's just the lack of functionality and success of the Patriots' offense in the first half, too.
1: Um, If Tom Brady wins his sixth ring, when do you start the transition away from Tom Brady if you're the Patriots? It's going to happen sooner or later. Nobody wants to talk about it, but... Is this, is this potentially his window closing? Like, like, if he doesn't win it this year, do you think the rest of the AFC is going to catch up?
0: So I think I think you got to use one of those second rounders this year um, to go ahead and, and draft the quarterback, if you ask me, or maybe even your late first rounder. Um, that That's what I would be doing. Um, and so I think you have two to three years with Brady now. Um, to go ahead and do that, I mean, you just can't replace the way he handles big game moments. So I think you have another two to three years to, but you got to get somebody now. I think mean, you got to find your guy this year, um, even if it's late first round. Or I mean, hell, I mean, you got assets. You got um, two first rounders, a high high first sec. I mean, a high second round pick, um, a low first round pick. You can probably package those three to get up to where you want to get to if you really like somebody in this draft. Um, It's not like the Patriots hit on their first couple rounds that much anyway. So um, that's what I would do, and um, I just don't see who there is in the AFC that's really caught up for me to be like, oh, this team is caught up. They just played Blake Bortles and company, you know? So, like, where do you point to? The only other – the team that's supposed to be their direct competition has a a very, very old quarterback who's aging who they need to replace. So um, I, I don't see who is there saying, oh, yeah, this is the changing
1: of the guard. Well, I'm just, I'm just worried that the Patriots are not as deep as they used to be. And it's just a matter of, of – it's not just um, Edelman and Gronk getting hurt. But it's like, think about it. If Brady got hurt, we're, we've seen what their backups can do for the most part. I don't know if Hoyer is, is the guy that we want to put in. And I've seen Brady get hit more cleanly in the last season and a half than I've seen him get hit. Uh, in the majority of his career, and he's not getting younger. So it's just a little concerning to me. I guess I used the wrong terms in regards to saying caught up, but like, they're not as untouchable as, as uh, they used to be. And I wonder at what point does Father Time catch up with Tom Brady? Because it's, it's bound to happen, and, and nobody talks about it. But the guy's 40. He's 40. And we know people can age overnight. Because when Peyton Manning hit 40, it went from – Omaha, Omaha to medic, medic. <laughs> like he was terrible once he hit forty, but I haven't necessarily seen that that uh loss of arm strength and accuracy with Brady. Obviously, but I don't know. I just worry, man. I just worry about how how hard of a drop that's going to be for the Patriots. So
0: I would like well, to see them I mean, address. Did, did, Go did ahead. Manning did Manning have a quote unquote doctor on call?
1: <laughs> he did. I was. I wasn't gonna touch on that, but he did. He did, and we know patriots always get accused of cheating, so I'm not gonna trip too hard off of it. But I'm just saying, my man's got some weird diets, and he somehow maintains health uh, in a position that sees people get hurt routinely, especially when they take some solid hits like he takes. So, not question his toughness. I Just wonder when Father Time's gonna hit the Patriots and, and how hard it would drop. We're gonna see. Uh, now that they let go of a talent like Jimmy G, so I guess that's something we probably should wait to after the draft to see um, if they don't draft the quarterback uh, with with some kind of talent. I would be a little concerned uh, if I was the Patriots, but we'll see. We'll see how uh, how well this this offensive line holds up against that Eagles front, and if he can get rid of the ball quickly and uh, keep himself off the ground. Because if he gets banged up in the Super Bowl. I feel like that's gonna raise some more question marks heading into the off season for the Patriots, because uh, they they're gonna have to plug in some of these holes, man. Keep this guy out. Keep him with healthy weapons, not just anybody. You know, I think I think we're getting to that point where Brady's tired of throwing to to uh, Mac conference receivers and stuff. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's what it's getting to, man. Like. Like, I mean, Peyton got old, and he went to DeBanis and Emmanuel Sanders and uh, and got him a halfway decent running back and uh, some weapons around him. Like, Brady's getting old, and his weapons are getting worse. So
0: Yeah, but the I, thing about it is, is they're just so different. Like, it, it, Brady can age well because they're running damn seven-yard pick routes.
1: That's true, Like, how, how much
0: on-strength you need to throw the ball to Gronk and Deion Lewis and – Amadola within the hash is twenty yards and in.
1: That's true too. The scheme the scheme definitely keeps him upright as well. Uh I wanna to apologize to my Eagles fans because I definitely didn't want to discredit your uh your role in this Super Bowl in this playoffs. So I actually made a big deal about making my soundboard today, because I was supposed to use it. But I forgot. But every time I was gonna say Eagles, I was gonna play this. Underdog <laughs> Just because I know they get mad about it every time they got the little mask and stuff, um, I'm hoping for a good game. I think we'll see a good game. Um, Peter, Peterson's definitely a good coach. Schwartz is an amazing um, defensive coordinator who I don't think gets as much credit as he deserves um, with this with this team. And uh, we'll we'll see what we got in a couple weeks. Uh, switching over to college basketball, you can't talk college basketball without talking Trey Young. Uh, this is definitely your realm. We got a light skinned backcourt player who shoots the ball 30 times a game. What's your take on Oklahoma and Trey Young? And is he shooting too much? I mean, you
0: know I like Trey Young. That's just obvious. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> you know I'm a fan of Trey Young. Um, so here's the deal, right? It's like, what do you expect from a team like that? Like, I don't think many people have seen this style of basketball played at this high of level in college so I mean essentially they're, they're running the ball and everything is high pick and roll for him so it's like watching one of these Big 12 teams play at Texas Tech or Baylor when the the, uh, the god Art Browse was there like the numbers are going to look astronomical because they're playing at a higher pace he has the ball in his hands more than anyone so yeah he shot too much probably in that overtime game but um, it's hard to say he's shooting too much you think that team would be 14-4, top 10 in the country if Trey Young was just playing like a normal basketball player. like I think what he's doing is helping his team put in the best position to win, and he's a lottery pick. So I think it'd be silly if, if Golden State didn't have uh, Durant and Steph was shooting a bunch of times. I don't think it'd be too critical. With that being said, like it's with everything, right? People don't actually watch games. They just saw he got 20-20. and 20, um, And then they saw that you know, that he was scoring all these points. They watched a couple highlights, saw him hitting shots from 30 feet. So they think he's a finished product and actually it's Steph Curry now. Um, and he's 19 years old. He's going to turn the ball over with that ball much in his hand. He's going to take dumb shots and he's going to have some bad games. He's 19. So, I mean, with everything, once the media gets a little piece of it and sports starts hyping it, people get too out of expectations. And then people go the opposite way and they start hating too much. Now he's just, uh, now he's selfish and all this dumb stuff. Like, you, you, you can't please people. You know how people that don't watch games go. He's very, very good. He's small. Um, I would say he reminds me the most of, of probably Damian Lillard, if I had to make a guess. Um, a little bit of a, a Lillard. Um, yeah, probably a Lillard would be the person I would say the closest. His passing's a lot like Steph, um, but a lot of his one on one moves look a lot like Lillard to me. Yeah, he, he just
1: doesn't have the hops. I've seen I haven't seen him do any lower type hops. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, the
0: athleticism's not there.
1: Yeah, but there is a certain smoothness to his play on the offensive side of the ball. Uh when he has the ball in his hands, uh he's confident. Even if he's shooting the ball forty five feet out, he <laughs> he's shooting like he's confident is going in. Uh which I think is, is good when you got a guy who, who at times has struggled uh, shooting the ball efficiently. Um, his percentages are, are atrocious, as you would say sometimes. I think I was looking at uh, a couple of the games uh, where he shot like 30%. It's like, whoa. But he gets to the line, which I like because that means he's aggressive, and he, he actually finishes well at the basket, which is is um, one of the more underrated, ta- uh, underrated attributes for a lot of these smaller point guards. I, I would dare say Steph became – the super superstar that he is right now, when he started being able to control his body more, when he's driving to the basket and finish these layups through contact. Uh, it used to be people would try to run him off the line, and you kind of be like, uh, he might pull up for the jump shot uh, if he goes in. We'll, we'll put a body on him. He's not. He's not gonna you know, do anything with the contact." Excuse me, but I want to say after that, uh, after that first NBA final um, with the with the um the Cavs after Delhi kept putting the body on him and stuff I feel like he became a stronger player like he made an adjustment to his game and it's helped him like yeah Kyrie's another Kyrie's another guy that no matter who you put on him you can bump him off the ball and everything he's still gonna finish through contact a lot of times and I and I see a yeah, lot of that with Trey
0: yeah and that's a lot of that he does need to get stronger but you're right like Contact doesn't really bother him. And the thing about contact in this day and age with no hand checking, if you're trying to put contact on these dudes in a half-court set, you're going to foul them on three-pointers at least three or four times a game because they're literally yeah. just going to stop and rise up while you're riding them. So, like, yeah. it's, it's hard to be that much contact and bump them that much. The Cavs are notorious. They, um, like, if you look on Twitter, Steph, and everyone says it's, like, soft league, and they literally, like, knock Steph down forearm check him when he tries to go through screens on defense. They will run whoever's man is off screens that they won't even throw him the ball. They'll just have Tristan or Bron just hit staff and he falls. It's like damn, people act like this isn't happening. Um so yeah. like they let the Cavs do that to Cat Curry and it just makes him play better, honestly. He's not scared of contact. He's not scared I, I saw
1: Steven Adams I saw Steven Adams check Isaiah Thomas, bro. So I know the league ain't necessarily all soft. And Zeke got back up. And, and kept playing. He didn't do the little flop dramatic stuff and look at the ref. Like he took the hit, got up, and, and kept hustling, you know. But um, like you said, there are plenty of people right now running people off the ball and uh, and making contact. And I was going to get to that in a little bit about the NBA. But um, while we're still stuck on college basketball, um, there's been a little bit of, of upsets uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's bound to happen when we're we're talking college basketball. It's hard to keep these boys focused, man, especially on these home and road games. But I don't know if you saw or not, but Wichita State not only lost a home game, which was crazy, I think, to SMU, they turned around and lost a road game, too, and I think they they lost two streaks. Did you see that? I saw the SMU loss. Who else did they lose, to? I forgot. I can I can look it up I'm real quick, to, but yeah, I'm about to look. Now. I didn't see the. But they about. definitely, they definitely just. Oh, uh, they, they got, got blown out by Houston. Houston.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I was I was really surprised, but I was like, Wichita State usually a team with focus, and and they were well, you you gotta, they were as high as number eight at one point.
0: I think what some things got to realize too is that they're in that a- AAC now, and Wichita State is good, but they're used to having some nights off um, yeah. in the MVC. Um, whereas if you don't bring your A game in the MVC against some of these teams on the road, they probably, you probably can come back and still beat them, even if they're a good team at home. Whereas in the AAC, a team like Houston, they're not great, but they have just as good of athletes as you. They're at home. They're hyped to play you. You just come off a, a tough game. It might, you might can't get back from down. Um, so I just think there is a level at the middle of that conference that's a big difference.
1: Yeah, I, I actually um, I've been watching a lot of uh, college basketball uh, over the last week or so because <clears throat> this is around the time where you know I'm a degenerate, so I just admit I started getting heavy into my college because I, I like to I like to take my information before the tournament starts so I can look and see who's going to play well at the neutral site when the tournament does start, like for the conferences. And then I take that information and use it for March Madness because what a lot of people don't seem to calculate a lot of times is March Madness is a neutral site for a lot of teams. And if you can't win on the road, then I'm not going to trust you to win too many games come March Madness, no matter who you play, you know? And that so, uh, is why I everyone to stop being idiots when it comes to Kansas. Kansas wins the Big
0: 12 every year because they never lose at home. Yeah. <laughs> they have like a 60-game home yeah. running streak. They don't lose at home. That's why they went yeah. the Big twelve every year. They're not a great neutral site or
1: road team,
0: so I don't know why y'all
1: dummies expect that in conference play. Yeah, and and you look at teams that that usually do some coverage on the road too, and that really matters at the neutral site games, especially with my mid majors. Some of these some of these teams have taken uh, some tougher roads in these preseason tournaments than they than they you know would have done maybe a couple years ago. I think ESPN had a uh, they had something like a, a preseason type March Madness thing going on where they were trying to match them, I against like the top sixteen teams or something like that in some little tournament format. Um, I, I think that was the game that I first saw Bagley play. I want to say they played uh, somebody like maybe Kentucky or something. I can't remember, but anyway, um, the exposure is, is so key, uh, and that's why I like what Oklahoma did with with uh, Trey Young. And their team, they got a lot of exposure before they started their uh, conference play, and and they fell short a little bit on on some of these road games, but I think just this type of player and and the way they've been playing when it comes tournament time, uh, I think you know a lot of these teams that are more battle tested are going to show themselves uh, to be that when it comes tournament time. So uh, I wouldn't read too much into Kansas because Kansas is getting battle tested. They're not. They're not playing scrubs, and they're, they're losing some, some tough road games, but they're, they're battling, and it and it happens. Like, uh, the other night, I think they, they were, they might have been home that night, but they were playing Baylor, and they were up on Baylor, and then I think Baylor came back, but it's it's just another one of those games where it's like, that's a tough opponent. That's what you want. You don't want to be North Carolina going to Tech and losing and having to explain to people how you lost to Tech or Kentucky who's not even ranked. So, I guess you take your poison, you know, in college basketball. But uh, speaking, I was going to say, I was trying to roll that into uh, my next segment because we got about 20 minutes left, so I know we still got to talk about NBA. But there's one other story learned in college basketball that did not get talked about as much as I thought it would, and I'm very surprised. But that is the beef between Coach Cal and Coach K, which seems to be just Coach Cal's beef. Coach K doesn't seem to be concerned. But did you ever get a chance to look at the comments made by Coach Cal? Yeah, I did.
0: Um, I mean, that's salt. He's getting beat at his own game, so that's nothing but salt and shade. If he has beef with anybody, it needs to be worldwide West and whoever's bringing the bag because clearly it's not enough anymore. Um, and Duke paying more. So I don't know why he's mad at Coach K. I mean, maybe. I mean, Coach K is selling dreams, of course. If you're out here getting one and done players and you're out there talking about culture, learning the game, um, making men out of people when they're going to be on campus for four months, I mean, you are lying to the kids. So maybe that's what he means, but
1: nah. I just thought it was weird. Coach Coach Cal is, it's like, is this the same Coach Cal? He's talking about, I'm preparing these players for, for life after basketball, blah, 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 and I'm like, I don't think he was saying that. I think he was saying he was preparing them for the NBA.
0: He's saying Kentucky is a preparation for the NBA,
1: article?
0: and they run it uh, like the NBA, I think is what he was saying, and that Coach K is out here selling dreams of you're a part of some the culture, like he's acting like he their daddy. I think that's what he was trying to say. All right. Cause, but maybe
1: I'm wrong, but that's what I got from it. Cause, all right, so what I'm saying is – or what I saw was Coach Kyle – said that the – I don't know how to say the guy's name. I want to say Diallo. Is that how I say it? The player – basically the player uh, player that's on Kentucky right now, the Duke – Oh, the the Duke are supposed to go pro. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He said that uh, Coach K told him, our school and state will take care of you for the rest of your life. That was the pitch. And Coach Kyle was saying, if I can refresh, because he he took took, – He took offense to that particular technique in the recruiting. So yesterday, or actually, yeah, today actually, today he was on the radio and somebody asked him to clarify, and he said that my concern is whoever we get here, how do we help them to be the best version of themselves both on and off the court? How do we send them off from here after a year, two years, three years, four, whatever, with the basis to have success both on and off the court? where they can be involved in their communities, and where it's not just solely basketball. Then he says, uh, every one of us in this country is based on you've got to take care of yourself. Uh, that's what we're trying to do, just give give these guys the best opportunity. We're not saying this university, this state will take care of you the rest of your life. This is not socialism. This is the stuff. You've got to do it. We're going to help you do it. Some like that, some don't. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like the... Kyle, I remember. Does that sound like the Kyle you remember? Nah, but I get what he's trying to say. There is a
0: difference. There is a difference in the way Coach K is doing it and the way he does it. I get what he's trying to say.
1: But I mean, Coach K just got the number one, number two, and number three recruits. Like, never been done before. Yeah, the top three rated recruits in the class. I mean he, not, he can was, he can say what he wants to say. He can he can give up a bag if he well, wanted
0: to. The wildest part the wildest part is they all play the same position. it's
1: not, it's
0: not like he got a point <laughs> guard or small forward in a center. He got three six eight swingmen.
1: That's crazy, yeah. man. I guess
0: Zion's a power forward, but they all six eight, six
1: nine. I thought Zion tweener, stretch four, long three type dudes. That's that's yeah. the ultimate re up. That's the ultimate re up. So they I mean they Co- Coach Cal, don't be salty, man. It's not your it's not it doesn't look good on you. In the words of LeVar Ball Stay in your lane. Exactly. Um switching over to the NBA. I'm on a strike. I'm not gonna give Lavar any more than that sound bite. Oh man. Why are you on three? I'm guessing you ain't see, no, you ain't no, see LaMelo just drop forty one, While Lavar was a they playing, coach they, coach. they playing dudes that look like they all Grand Theft Auto five, man. <laughs> like that Dog. No, they is. ran the real okey-doke, though. They actually
0: had real level prospects in the first b B game. And then these last couple, bro. I haven't
1: I haven't watched no. the game yet. I'm I'm treating it exactly like I treat the uh, big three league. I have not watched the game yet. Not watching the game. Um, I actually, I'm actually mad. Uh, what, you know what? I'll bring, I'll I'll come back at the end with the segment because there was another soundbite I wanted you to hear because I know you think it's funny. But yeah, um, I don't know what to make of of triple B's and, and this league. And I mean, I mean the man is making money. He's getting his kids exposure. He's, he's helping his family. Um, so more we'll power to him. I'm, I'm done hating on the I don't, I don't, now I will say this. I will say this. I don't like how he was criticizing Luke, even though what he said kind of was right in a sense that, I mean, Luke needed some kind of criticism because he was tripping for a while. He wasn't giving Randall enough minutes. Um, he, he, his rotation was a little out of whack, but I just I just don't like the way he said it, which is Levar. So I guess there's no way I would like the way he said it. I don't know how he would have said it any other way, but how Levar says it. So I just I just don't know. Just just Lonzo seems like a good kid, man. Like there's already there's already the rumbling that people are like he needs to get rid of his father if he wants to make it in his league, yada yada yada. And we know. We know how these professional uh, leagues can be. They're good old boy networks. You don't want to get blackballed because your dad's out here insulting the masses because there's going to come a point where he's going to say something about somebody and it can't be taken back. He's going to insult the wrong person and then he's going to hurt one of those uh, brands. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and he
0: might have already done it. He might Longo might get traded if LeBron comes,
1: so he might have already done it. If we're being honest, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Actually, <laughs> if LeBron, come, I mean LeBron seems like he likes the kid. I don't think LeBron has a problem with him, but Le, we know LeBron ain't going for Le, Le, LeBron yeah, at LeBron. the games and, and, and saying There's all that no crazy. he's dealing with LeBron. He's just
0: not dealing with LeBron.
1: No chance. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if if you're Magic and LeBron comes up to you says me or him. We already know how that's going to go. Magic is not real. He out of here. He out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We don't have to talk about the Lakers in general. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk about something that I know you want to talk about. I'm not biased. Jason K. got fired.
0: Um, About time? They uh, did my boy wrong. How the hell are the Bucks playing around 500 basketball? They got Eric Bledsoe, too. They got Eric Bledsoe, Middleton, and Giannis in the East. All
1: right, so one of the rumors that I heard is that they fired my man because, well, one of one of the deciding factors in him being fired, there was, there was many, but one of the deciding factors was is that he doesn't have a good relationship with Jabari Parker. What? Who? What? Wait, wait, wait. I got it. it Person. What exactly, dog. Like Jabari Parker is out here and got he's got pulled like that? Jabari Parker. Nobody No nobody
0: but the doctor and trainer got a good relationship with Jabari.
1: Apparently they they were not on speaking terms. It was so bad. Uh somebody from ESPN reported it. He ain't on the yeah, the guy's always hurt. I just, I just thought that was crazy to me. I'm like, what? Why are they do like that Oh, Jabari Parker? Jabari Parker. And 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 I was even, uh, I was about to start an argument on Twitter because they were saying, well, he's the second best player on the team. And I'm like, I don't even think he's the second best player with a healthy Middleton and a healthy uh, Eric Bledsoe. I don't think he's the second best player anymore. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. No, he's not. I don't think he ever was. So... But, yeah, Jabari Parker is uh, apparently one of the reasons why. Uh, there were other reasons, and I, I'm not going to – I mean, we're, we're on air, so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and play like I'm naive. Jason Kidd didn't do a good job winning Cali. He didn't get it done like they wanted it to be. Uh, the team has clearly regressed uh, this year after having a remotely successful year last year, and with a player like Giannis, uh, there's really no excuse to them not to be – more competitive and more dominating in the league. Their defense has taken some hits, uh, which to me shows that they lack a little bit of effort. So maybe he's not getting to them uh, the way that they need to be. Uh, and then also uh, he's just not, he just wasn't consistent in his reasoning behind them playing so poorly. Like he's talking about the team doesn't have experience, but Giannis is the only one on the team under 25 right now. He's the hes the young one and everybody else is, is pretty much vet. So what do you mean they don't have experience? Like, how long has Middleton been in the league? Bledsoe's been in the league for a right. while. Like, yeah. Like, four years in. And
0: yeah, John, at this point, he, he knows
1: how the game goes. So so who who are you talking about that, that doesn't have the experience? They got playoff experience. They got playoff experience. So I don't understand. I mean, Brogdon is contributing, but you're not leaning on him enough where you're going to be like, oh, well, he doesn't have experience. So who are you talking about? And um, people were saying that's one of the things that ownership looked at. They were just like, you know, we don't know that he even knows what he's doing anymore because he's, he's talking about things that honestly to them uh, should have been non-factors. Um, they they showed up and played well in the first game without him. Uh, we know how it goes. Sometimes when coaches get fired, there's that, that push of energy. Uh, determination for teams to to kind of, you know, not show that they're vulnerable. But um, I don't know how long that's going to last. I'm, I'm more interested in seeing how they play when Giannis comes back.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's when you're going to really be able to tell. So I agree with that assessment.
1: Uh, next big storyline coming out of the NBA, other than the fights, is the soap opera... Turned reality show that is now The Cleveland Cavaliers So they now Apparently reporting that the team Questioned Kevin Love About his sickness In that whipping that they took From the Thunder Did you see how bad they were getting beat I would have left sick too <laughs>
0: No, like Love came out. To, nah, man, I've been trying to tell people Nobody wants to listen LeBron James is a racist um, he treats white people differently except Mike Miller. There's no way y'all gonna just let D Rose leave the team to question if he wanna come back, then say, no, nah, take your time, come back through whenever. And my man Kevin Love can't just leave the arena when y'all get beat by 47?
1: Come on, bruh.
0: What are we talking about? Isaiah Thomas said y'all don't practice anyway. So why y'all mad at him for not coming to practice? What are we talking about?
1: Yeah, I was blown by that. I was like, yo, They really, they really questioned that though, like whether or not he was sick or not. Like Kevin Love played on the Minnesota Timberwolves, man, when they were terrible. You know how bad they were. He was the only person that was good. Why would he ever leave a game when he's got a teammate like LeBron? No matter how bad they get beat, I'm pretty sure losing by sixty with LeBron is a lot better than losing by sixty by yourself in the middle of Minnesota.
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly. LeBron the way
1: LeBron was playing, he might as well have went home. They won't try it. Well no no I them mean time. I mean if I'm Kevin Love then, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I'm Kevin Love, I'm gonna be using that as my, my chance to snap. Like yo, J.R. Smith, how are you questioning me or anything, bro? Like you ain't scoring. you ain't doing nothing. Tristan Thompson, you ain't doing nothing. Like the I, I would make a vocal thing. joke about about Tristan's girl catching more balls than he is, and yada yada yada. No. Man, I'm not gonna go there. But
0: I'm always, just saying, Tristan, you have no
1: right
0: to talk. The thing is, it's like it's really Love true. has handled all this great. He's always been the whipping boy. He's the dude that LeBron subbing all the time. And he's always professional. I actually feel bad, and I'm not a Kevin Love guy. But it's really making Nichols look bad that he's the professional one and go out there and being mature about the situation while people sub-tweeting him, calling him in the meeting, leaking stuff to the media. Like, I mean, I, I would thought Kyrie was stupid, but I don't blame him for not wanting to be a part of this if I'm being honest, the more and yeah. more I think about it. What grown man wants to deal with this over and over again? For <laughs> three straight years. <laughs> this manufactured drama because because your star player gets off on it and that's how he refocuses because he's bored for a season. It's honestly like a girl who gets bored in a relationship so she just pick a fight.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, is- is? <laughs> what this is. The, the Cavs are all over the place right now, man, and and I I'm one hundred percent behind love right now. I thought that was ridiculous. Um I, it's like they're just they're just trying to find somebody to take blame. I'm I'm just waiting on Fisdale to take over his coach. Um do you think Fisdale has a chance to be the Bucks coach? If they're smart, that's
0: the first guy I'd go to. He's looking to play up tempo. He wants to space more I mean, there's no way you could be playing slow with the Bucks. How are you playing slow with Eric Bledsoe and
1: Giannis? Yeah, I don't understand it either. Which brings me back to my original point that the ownership felt like Jason Kidd ain't really know what he was doing. But um, well, next week's show we'll probably go in a little bit more detail uh, about Jason Kidd because I'm sure there'll be more details coming out. Right now it's really just a bunch of what we call sauces. Uh, people say, he say, she say. Giannis called Jason Kidd 15 minutes before, asked him if he wanted him to try to save his job and stuff like that. And, yeah, you know, i tell you I, I need
0: to get... Though. He got to grow up. Yeah, he do.
1: Because
0: he You did. can't. Come on, bro. What can I do? How can I save you? Negro, you could have played better or went to the ownership and gave him a vote of confidence a long time ago and let him know it was your guy. If they didn't take you, it would be okay. But
1: they wouldn't have fired him? Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter saying, Giannis doesn't care. He didn't even know who Jason Kidd was two years ago. Facts. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, with with the last two minutes, with the last two minutes, um, I'm gonna give you a minute if you got anything you wanna you wanna uh take off for this this last um segment. I'm calling it the hated it segment. And I, yes, I'm taking mm-hmm. that from In Living color. but it's basically a segment where we're gonna find a player or team. We'll quickly analyze something that they did that we just don't like and then just be like, hated it. Um, my, I'll start it off, my person is Jalen Ramsey, and he's the inspiration for this segment because, as we know, Sasha Fierce threw a whole lot of yapping, a whole lot of yapping. And when it came time, like somebody said, when it came time for the Jaguars to get a stop, the defense couldn't get it done. Now, I'm not going to blame anybody but the person who did the most talking on the Jaguars. I didn't hear a lot of talk from a lot of other people. Telvin Smith did a whole lot of work. Uh, my man Fowler um, did a whole lot of work. I didn't see none of them doing all that talking. The the dude that you said, the, <laughs> the African, Abouye, I think is his name. Yeah. I didn't see him doing all that talking. The yeah, but Jalen was out there talking in pregame warm up. He said, and i quote, we're going to win this bitch. <laughs> all right? So for all that talking, with that performance at the end of the day, didn't like it. And just for that, I'm going to give the Jalen Ramsey bite that nobody heard. I got it. It's, it's special. I actually found it online. Save your tears, honey. You've never had a chance. Coffee's good with cream, but better when it's black. There we go. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not homophobic for anybody. Listen, I'm not homophobic, but Jalen's pretty.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> um, I not really have one
0: set, but this this team's starting to piss me off, man. I'm so sick of the Wizards, bro. I am so <laughs> sick of the Wizards. Speaking of talking. For no reason. How are you talking at all, John Wall, you losing to the Mavericks by twenty points. And you talking to JJ Barea? Wizards said they had a team meeting and then Wall and Brad Bill both said it was worse than when the team meeting started, which means ain't nobody listening to y'all. And they lost by a combined forty eight points to the Hornets and the Mavericks. Two non playoff teams. Like they do this every year. They act like they're the Cavaliers, but they ain't never won shit. I'm tired of the Wizards man. Get it together.
1: That's terrible <laughs> <laughs> Hey I've been working on this I'm going to get it together man I'm going to get it together Hey thank you for uh, calling in man um, Everybody that's listening Anybody that might catch the replay uh, Just bear with this. The show will be like any other project When it starts out we're in the pilot episodes As we learn and grow uh, We get suggestions and stuff It'll get better and it'll, it'll run more smoothly um, Again I'm always open to topic suggestions I really hate having to come up with all the topics um, because there's a lot of things that people care about that I don't necessarily care about. And there's things that I care about that people don't necessarily care about. So it's, it's, it would be great to mesh it all together because I wanted to talk about Earl Spence and some boxing, but we never got around to it today. So I tried to cover what I thought people were more interested in. So um, catch us in the next episode, hopefully sometime next week. Um, I don't go back to work for another two weeks, so – I'll let you know, Corey, and then we'll post it. Sounds good to me, my man. All right, man. Thanks for calling. All right, peace. All right, this has been Talk to Talk, the third episode. Appreciate you guys listening. We're out. Don't sweat the technique.